Let's pray. Father, there are times when we come in the midst of our world where there is so much noise, so much confusion, so much going on, and yet we come at Christmas and we're reminded again that in the midst of all this you speak. You show up as a baby and we thank you. And so we ask that you would take these few moments and just speak to our hearts. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Seven-year-old Homer Mellon. That was his name, Homer Mellon. He, uh, back in 1915, so 100 years ago, in London, Ontario, he sent a letter to Santa. With it was his request for gifts that he was hoping to get. And it begins, Dear Santa, the boy begins in cursive handwriting, which is so yesterday. Isn't that cursive stuff? Anyway, will you please send me a box of paints, also a nine-cent reader, and a school bag to put them in? How many kids were asking for school bags this year at Christmas? He modestly continues, and if you have any nuts or candy or toys to spare, would you kindly send me some? If so, Homer concludes, will you, you will please a seven-year-old boy, Homer. And the Mellon family has kept that, and they had this in a little box for over 100 years that they would share with their sons and then granddaughters and grandsons and grandchildren and great-grandchildren, and with it had pictures and other memories. It's interesting, based on research using Dear Santa Letters, found in historical newspaper collections around the early 1900s, they came up with a list of the most commonly requested Christmas presents. Okay, the most commonly requested Christmas presents 100 years ago. Through research of these papers, and here are some of the gifts that they were asking that probably are familiar on your Christmas list as well. Candy, nuts, a rocking horse, a doll, Mittens and gloves, toy train, oranges, books, handkerchiefs, skates, power tools. No, I'm just kidding. Power tools wasn't in there. And wouldn't it be great today? I mean, you just think if, if, if you had that list and you're looking for a list for, your, even for some of you kids, and, and how many would be going, I want a, just an orange. Give me an orange or, or a few nuts. That's kind of not what's on the list these days. That was the good old days. Today, here are some of the most popular gifts, and I'll just list a few of them. Pie face game. Anybody heard of pie face game? Oh, come on. Exploding kittens card game. And it has this little added cautionary line that says, make sure you get the version that's appropriate for children and not the adult version. And I'm thinking, what's the adult version like? Mega giant tumbler tower. Remote control, just about anything. Cars, you know, boats, trains, helicopters, you name it. Lego Disney Princess Elsa Sparkling Ice Castle. That's a mouthful. Anybody, anybody want anything Princess Elsa, anything? Star Wars Sphero BB-8 Droid. Yeah, we got a few there. We got some hands on the back. Okay, we see that. And the number one gift, here's the number one gift, the DJI Phantom 3 professional quadcopter drone with a 4K camera. That's hot, huh? And that baby's really nice because only for $1,173, it can be yours. And here's the real deal on this. 
it comes with free shipping. <laughs> I know you want to run out and get that. Well, what's really interesting in the world we're living in, especially in the last month or so, um, guess what Christmas gift is making a run for the top of the list? Is, is they're selling them like hotcakes. Guns. One headline reads, guns are high in demand for Christmas gifts. And we kind of know why. With the rise of their popularity due to the terror and the fear and the anxiousness of the times we live in, there are lots of people who are saying, you know what, I want to feel a little more peace. I want to be in control of this world around me. And it really seems to to fly in the face. I'm not making any comments on guns here. I'm just, it flies in the face of the parting message sung to the shepherds that first Christmas night. In the outskirts of a little town known as Bethlehem, a baby has just been born. He's wrapped in strips of cloth. He's placed in a manger. And there is little baby Jesus. And Luke continues his story as he lifts his eyes from this scene of this cavern-shaped place where there is this cradle and this this baby who is lying and he kind of lifts your eyes as he as you read in the text to another place on some hills a few miles away from there and Luke writes there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby keeping watch over their flocks at night an angel appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified but the angel said to them don't be afraid I bring you good news of great joy a savior has been born to you and after some directions of where and and how they might find this baby Luke continues and says, Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. So what do you do when the promise is peace spoken out, and all around you are threats of terror and fear and anything but peace? What do you do when you find life out of control? Your heart overwhelmed. Stress is your constant companion. What do you do when you unwrap Christmas and you find words of peace but a life filled with anxiety and a world filled with terror? Sometimes the angel message, it it has a dissonance to it because you hear this message of peace on earth. On earth. May there be peace And yet it kind of doesn't resonate. It makes no sense when you live in an atmosphere of terror and loss and despair. And you say, how do you bring these two together? In the mid-1860s, there's a man who is a poet. Many of you studied history at one time, heard of the man named Henry Wadsworth Longfell. And he had written a Christmas poem. Anybody know what that title was? It was called Christmas Bells. You see, a few years after he had written that, a man named John Baptist Culkin put the words to a tune that many of us are familiar with, a very memorable and loved Christmas carol. It's a classic. And it became known as, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. And Longfellow wrote this poem on Christmas Day, December 25th, 1864. And it's believed that, that he was probably in his home heard the sound of church bells, the ringing in the air, 
the tolling of those bells calling people to worship. And, and he just sat down and had to kind of write what was in his heart and had been kind of developing over the years in his life. And what's interesting is that Longfellow himself was feeling anything but peace. I believe when he wrote and penned these words, there was so much going on in his life. He had been in the midst of his own personal kind of despair, but he had also been surrounded by a nation that was going through incredible, incredible pain. Our country was ripped apart by a civil war, America's bloodiest conflict. North against south and family against family and brother against brother. There is an unprecedented violence when historians go back and look at places like Shiloh and Stone River and Gettysburg. More died in the Civil War than in any other war that we've participated in in World War II, one and on. And they say that um, about 2% of the population died in that war, about they estimate 620,000 men died in the line of duty. And if you were to take that today and just compare it to our own population, if you took it 2% of our population today, that would be like 6 million people. Can you imagine the impact? As, as homes had been vacated due to the war, and they had many been destroyed due to the war, and, and families had lost loved ones, and they were getting reports of their sons coming home wounded. Longfell had also experienced in his life at this time, not only was this going on externally, but he was also experiencing it in his own home. His wife, Fanny Longfell, a few years prior to writing this carol, was fatally burned in an accident that occurred in their home, and Henry himself tried to actually extinguish the fire first with a small carpet cut, and then he actually used his own body to smother the flames. And he was so himself injured and, and in such a place that he was not even able to attend his wife's funeral. And they, they actually say, if you remember, some of you remember the pictures of Longfellow, he has this long beard. They believe the reason, and, and in fact, the reason for that beard is because he was unable to shave as a result of that whole thing, and he just let his beard grow. In the following Christmas, after his wife's death, Longfellow wrote in his journal, How inexpressibly sad are all holidays. Some of you know and experience that, maybe even experiencing it now. A year following the tragedy, he wrote, I make no record of these days. Better leave them wrapped in silence. Perhaps someday God will give me peace. And then Longfellow's journey, journal entry that very next Christmas, about a year and a half after his wife's death, he writes, A Merry Christmas, save the children but that is no more for me. And then it was just a little bit over a year later, Longfellow received more news that ripped his heart apart as he heard the report of his oldest son, a lieutenant in the Army of the Potomac, who had been severely injured and was being sent back home. And in that year, that Christmas, as they had opened, people in history had opened and looked at his journal, there was nothing written. It was actually silent with pain. And that kind of gives you the backdrop of this hymn that he writes, Christmas Bells, which is an interesting hymn because uh, there's actually seven stanzas, but two are left out because two of them are, are just particular to the time. 
And this, in, in, in the, the stanzas, you, you've heard this. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play. And wild and sweet, the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And thought how, as the day had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. The ringing singing on its way, the world revolved from night to day, a voice, a chime, a chant sublime of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And he hears these bells ringing, he continues to write, and he feels the pain, and he says, Then from each black accursed mouth, the cannon thundered in the south, and with the sound, the carols drowned of peace on earth, goodwill to men. It was as if an earthquake rent the heartstones of a continent, and made forlorn the households born of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in that sense of deep despair, he says, And in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. What do you do when life seems out of control? What do you do when you're overwhelmed, filled with pain, carried along by stress, living in a world where there's lots of fear and lots of terror all about us? What do you do when it hits your own home? What do you do when angels say, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, Goodwill to men. Sometimes silence is the, is the thing that's needed. It may be the gift. Henry, Henry's words, I think, are really appropriate. I can make no record of these days. Better leave them wrapped in silence, he writes this one Christmas. Perhaps someday God will give peace. No words are sometimes the best words. Yet as you unwrap Christmas, there is in the silence... This fact that God is stirring. There is in this world that seems to be filled with fear and terror and all this stuff. The truth that is real, that a baby was born, the quiet of a night, unaware were were shepherds who were keeping watch over their flock with angels over their shoulder. And the stillness was disrupted by a word of promise that seemed, in a sense, so far away. Perhaps, perhaps someday God will give peace. And then with it, the angels appear and they announce and break in with good news and they say, glory to God in the highest peace on earth to those on whom his favor rests. And with that birth, that someday is promised to come. As I prayed and reflected on these verses, and I was just kind of, at one time I was working out and just kind of milling over these verses and these thoughts for this message, and one of the things that just kind of hit me hard and, 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 and spoke to my heart as I was thinking about this in this world that we live in, I, I thought of these little words that kind of came to me as I was, as I was running. They, they're, they're almost the, what I call the unnoticed lines in this Christmas drama. They struck me. And there were angels living out in the fields nearby, and I like this, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And I just thought, how interesting. The shepherds were keeping watch, and unbeknownst to them are a bunch of angels around them. There are things that are happening in Bethlehem, huge historic things that we celebrate to this day. And behind them, unknown to them, are angels just ready, waiting to burst out in song in their world. That had laid waiting for 400 years in silence. 
And I thought, man, that's what Christmas, really, when you think about it, that's what, that's what Christmas is about. Here's God in the midst of this out-of-control, pain-inflicting, fear-filled, terror-inducing world, keeping watch, still in control, making it known to us in a baby, breaking into this silence, breaking into this place where there is despair, there is this overwhelming sense of sorrow, all this stuff going on, and God on the outside stepping in and saying, guess what, I am still here. I am bringing about what I've promised in your life. I have not abandoned you. I have not left you. You may need some silence in order to digest what's going on, but know that in the silence is broken this small, stirring voice of a baby crying out that would someday cry out and will someday cry out in return as he comes to establish his peace in this world. And yet there's the possibility in this life right now It's not about external peace. It's not about maybe getting everything to go the way you need it in your life. It's not about getting our politicians to get everything the way we want it to go in this world. We would love it. I'm not, you know, we want that, but it's all about what is going on in here. What is God doing in here? He's at work, He's stirring. I just want to say for some of you, what you're longing for, God is in the process of bringing about. Christmas says, in here be at peace. In here, know that God's at work. In here, know there are angels about you that you're not even aware of. In here, know that God is on the throne because Christmas is God stepping into our world. God saying through Jesus, I'm in control, I'm putting things right, I'm bringing peace. In this child, The Prince of Peace is the promise of peace that will come. He is preparing it, and yet someday, and you may be in this place where you're saying perhaps someday. There is a someday. The miracle of Christmas is a reminder that God is keeping watch over you just like he was watching over those shepherds who were watching over their life. And you can actually relax and and in some ways go, God, I, I am trusting you because of this Christmas, this truth, I'm trusting you to be at work in my life. What's interesting in in Longfellow's life, the very next Christmas, after years of silence, Longfellow still months, this is months before Lee surrendered at Appomattox at the courthouse. So we're talking before that. He pens this final stanza of this poem, which became such a well-known carol. And in faith, he declares what is yet to come. You may need to do that. You may need to say it out loud in your situation. In faith, declare what is yet to come. And in faith, he declares what is yet to come. And he says these words, Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill Isn't it interesting, right after that little stanza, and in despair I bowed my head, there is no peace, for hate is strong, and mocks the song, and then he goes into this. And in our world, out of control, overwhelmed, full of pain, thick with suffering, in need of quiet, longing for silence sometimes to digest it all. 
At Christmas, the bell tolls, and if you hear it, you can hear it like Longfellow, the birth of Jesus, the hope and peace of the world. God is still in control. God is at work in your life. You may not see it, but God is watching over, and our hearts can relax. Your heart can relax. The gift God wants to give you this Christmas Eve may not be in a package. It may be in a relationship where you trust. Because his peace still rules. So I'm going to try something we did last service, and um, I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And I'm going to be really brave to lead you in this last little stanza, okay? I'm going to ask you to sing this with me. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail. With peace on earth, good will to men. Father, thank you. Come to the hearts that call to you now in this moment that need peace established to rule once again, even in a life that may feel like things around them are not in control. There's fear. I pray as they cry and they call to you, come, Jesus, and establish peace, we pray. Amen.